Thank you so much. And it's good to be saved. Amen. Saved to the uttermost. Thank God for the great work of salvation. Well, if you have your Bible this morning, I want you to open them, if you will, to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 7. The Gospel of Matthew chapter 7. I have an old Schofield Bible. If you have one, that's page number 1004. The Gospel of Matthew chapter 7. If you don't have one, it's real easy to find the very first book of the New Testament, Matthew, and then chapter 7. And we're right at the end of what is commonly referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. And I want to read some verses here in a moment and ask you to leave your Bibles open and just follow us along, if you will. Again, I remind you of our live stream service this afternoon at 5.30. Hope you'll join us again uh, for our service here and we're just looking forward to the day when we all be back together again in the house of God. And I know, I know it's just rough. It's just hard to preach to empty chairs. And I'm sure our singers would say it's hard to sing to empty chairs. And uh, we sure miss you, love you, and hope to see you again real, real soon. Matthew chapter number 7. All right? You know, one of the things that has happened to us because of this coronavirus is that we have been ordered by our government to uh, stay at home. In fact, I don't know how things are where you live, but just right up the road from where we live, we live right off Highway 52, uh, kind of up near between Pilot Mountain and Cook School Road, and there's a sign right there that flashes on and off right there at the highway near our house, and it says this. It says, please stay home. I was coming down the road this morning. There's one right here below the uh, Moore RJR exit. There's a sign that just constantly flashes there, and it says this, stay at home. You know, as Americans, we are staying at home more now than I guess we ever have before. You know, for some people, that's good. And for other people, that's not so good because things are not good at home. Well, this morning, if you'll allow me to from this passage of Scripture, I want to speak on this subject right here. I want to preach on the thought, is your home on the rock or is your home on the rocks? Now, I can say this morning that God is highly interested. Maybe I should say this, that God is even highly invested into every person having a good home. I, I get that. I believe that according to God's Word. God wants us to have good, godly homes. In fact, as I read through the Bible, I come to understand I think there's three homes that God wants every person to have. For instance, I could say, number one, that God wants everybody to have a forever home. A forever home. Now, of course, I'm speaking, when I speak in terms of forever, I'm talking about a home in heaven. God wants everybody to have a home in heaven. You know, the songwriter said this, My heavenly home is bright and fair. I feel like traveling on. You know, Jesus referred to, the, to, to heaven as the Father's house, the Father's home. Jesus told us, I go to prepare a place for you. That kind of leads me to believe that Jesus wants everybody to have a forever home in the Father's house. And we know the only way to have a forever home is to put your faith and your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. People who do not know Jesus do not have a forever home. In fact, I got to thinking about this. Think about the word home, and then think about the opposite of the word home. Now, to me, if somebody were to ask me, hey, give me the opposite of the word home, I would just say it's the word homeless. You know, we hear a lot about that in our day, how sad but true many, many people today are homeless people. They don't have a home. 
But you know, in reality, anybody that dies without Jesus as their Savior one day will wake up in hell and forever and ever be homeless. I looked up that word homeless, some synonyms for it, and here's some of the words that kind of have the same meaning. Destitute, displaced, outcast, wanderer, wanderer. You know, hell is a place where a person will die and go to, and forever they'll be destitute, they'll be displaced, they'll be an outcast, they'll be a wanderer. Hey, can I tell you something? It's never, ever been God's plan for anybody to die and go to hell. God didn't make hell for men. He made it for the devil and his angels. And God wants us to have a forever home. But then I got thinking about this. God not only wants us to have a forever home, God wants us to have a faith home. And what I mean by that is God is very interested in you and I having a place, a home for our faith. I'm talking about a church home. I mean God wants everybody to have a church home. You know, I read this, the words of Jesus. He said himself one time, he said, Upon this rock, I'll build my church. Boy, I'm glad I got a church home this morning. I have a place where my faith gets fed. You know, I met some people along the way that have told me before. They say, you know, I just get up on Sunday morning and I just go wherever I feel like the Lord is leading me to go. Well, I want to tell you something, that's not good. That's not good at all. And that's never been God's plan. I don't think God has ever saved anybody and told them, okay, you can just be a hermit. You can be a wanderer. You just go here or there. I think every believer needs a place where they are committed to and dedicated to. You know, we have a little saying around here that goes like this. Every believer needs to be a belonger. Everybody that's saved needs a place where they're held accountable. Everybody needs a place where they're held responsible. I think the reason a lot of people don't want to join a church is because they don't want to be committed. They don't want to be dedicated. Man, if they want to stay at home or else just go riding on the parkway up on, on the mountains or whatever, they do so and not feel guilty about that. But can I just say this? God's interested in you and I not only having a forever home, God wants us to have a faith home. In fact, can I tell you this? Jesus invested his life so that you and I could have a faith home. You know what the Bible said? Jesus loved the church so much that he gave himself for it. And you've heard me say this before, but man, if Jesus loved the church so much he gave himself for it, the least you and I can do is to love the church so much to give ourselves to it. God wants us to have a forever home. God wants us to have a faith home. But then I can say, number three, that God wants us to have a family home. That's right. I believe God wants us to have a place of peace and security and joy in our lives I don't think God never intended for your home or my home to be a place of contention and dissension and fussing and fighting where there's friction and an atmosphere so thick you could cut it with a knife. I don't think God meant for our homes to be a place of hell on earth. I think God meant for us to have a home, to have us a little place of heaven while we're here on earth. But you know, like I do, that many people, their home is on the rocks. Well, Jesus spoke about in our text this morning about, about the home. In fact, he actually speaks about two homes. One, was, one home was on the rock, and the other home was on the rocks. Now, let me read to you what he said about that. Look at verse 24. Here's the words of the Lord Jesus. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will like him, liken him unto a wise man, 
which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it, fe- and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. You know, the one thing that we know about the Lord Jesus just from the four Gospels is the fact that Jesus was a carpenter, was raised up in a carpenter's home. His foster father here on this earth was Joseph, and Joseph was a carpenter. And I think because of that, you know, most of us believe that Jesus was also in the carpentry business as well. He was in the habit of building things. You know, maybe along the way, Jesus even built uh, some houses along the way. If there was anybody that ever knew what it took to build a home, I'm sure that it was Jesus. By the way, it was the Lord Jesus who started this whole notion for the family to begin with. It was Jesus who brought, who built the first man and the first woman, and then he brought that man and that woman together in the Garden of Eden, and God himself performed the very first wedding ceremony in paradise. In fact, I think as you read through the Word of God, you'll find that there are three things that God instituted, God ordained, or maybe just put it for South County language, three things that God really approves of. The first thing that I think we find in the Bible that God created and instituted was, was the church. Thank God for the church. The second thing God instituted and ordained and approved was human government. Now, I know we don't like that. You know, April the 15th just passed. Of course, it's a little different this year, but we don't like paying taxes. We, we don't necessarily like, you know, all that human government does. But let's just face it. God ordained that. God approved that. And you and I's responsibility is to the best of our ability is to obey what they say as long as that what they say doesn't contradict uh, the Word of God. He, he created, He instituted the church and He instituted human government. But the very first thing that God instituted was that of the home. And I think by so doing, Jesus was telling us something. I think Jesus was telling us that uh, as, 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 as the home goes, so will the church go. And as the home goes and as the church goes, so will human government go. Maybe that explains a little bit why there's such an all-out attack on our homes today. Your home and my home has, has a bullseye on it. And I think hell has its heaviest artillery aimed at our home. So what I want to do this morning is I want to call your attention to just these verses this morning. And, and, and I don't want to be, you know, so many times I feel bad because I'm so negative all the time. So this morning... I'm not going to be a negative Ned. I'm not going to talk about the home that fell. I want to be a positive Paul. And I want to talk about the, the, the home that stood the stress of the storm. So could I just this morning, if you'll join me here in this text, I want to say three, three things that every home is going to need to survive the stress of the storm. First of all, look at verse 24, verse 25. And I thought about, number one, if our home is going to stand the stress of the storm, number one, we're going to have to have the presence of Jesus in our homes. The presence of Jesus. You see, the one lesson that we get out of this story that Jesus told about the house on the rock and the house on the rocks 
the thing that we get about it, the, the common denominator of both these stories here in reality is that both of these homes faced the same storm. Both of these homes went through a terrible, terrible storm. Both of them went through the same rain. Both of them felt the same wind. Both of them were beat upon by the same floods. And I think the point that Jesus is making is this. All homes are going to have their storms. All homes have problems. People who are in church have problems in their homes. People who are out of church uh, have problems with their homes. You know, there used to be a time that if you were in church and you halfway lived right, you didn't have to worry about divorce or your kids going bad or uh, stuff of that nature. That didn't happen to people in church. That only happened to people outside the church. But you and I know that living in these last days, man, that you can be in the church or out of the church doesn't exempt us from having storms to beat upon our homes. Every home faces the rain from above. Every home faces the floods from beneath. Every home faces the winds from around. That's right. Every home faces the rains of adversity. Every home faces the winds of misery. Every home faces the floods of difficulty. They arise against every home. There's no such thing as a home that is immune to problems. There's going to be tensions in relationships. There are going to be problems between spouses. As the old saying go, men are from Venus and women are from Mars. You can't get any different than my wife and myself are. We're day and night. We're daylight and dark different. Maybe that's why I guess we like each other halfway love each other a little bit, whatever. It's because we're, we're, we're so different. And the things that I lack, she's got. And the things that she lacks, that I've got. We're different. God made us that way. I'm from Venus. She's from Mars. Hey, can I give you some good advice? If you don't ever want to have problems with your children, best advice I can give you is don't have any. Can, can I have an amen right there? <laughs> Man, if you don't want problems with your kids, don't have any. Parents are on, operate on the FM frequency. Kids operate on the AM frequency. They got a lot of static going on. There are going to be problems. You can be going along pretty good, and I mean, man, things look good. The sun's shining, and I mean, not an hour later, the storm clouds have rolled in, and, and the, the rain start falling, and the winds are blowing, and the floods are rising. I'm here to tell you, nobody's home is immune or exempt from problems. So here are these two homes that we have in our text this morning. Now just looking at them from the outside, I don't think you could probably tell very little difference in these homes. They probably looked very similar. They were made out of the same brick or out of the same stone. They both had doors and windows. They both had a roof and maybe some rooms in them. They looked very similar. But always remember, it's not what you build, but where you build, that matters the most. I think anybody in here, maybe those of you that are listening or watching this morning would agree with me when I say, it's better to build a shack on a rock than it is to build a mansion in a swamp. You see, although both of these homes went through the storm, only one of these homes stood the stress of the storm. And it stood the stress of the storm... Uh, not because of how it was built, but because of where it was built. The reason the one house stood is because it was built upon the rock. Now, we're not left to wonder in Scripture 
who the rock represents. We're told over and over in the Bible that God is our rock. Look at some of these verses with me this morning. 1 Samuel 2 verse 2 says this, There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee, neither is there any rock like our God. Look at Psalms 18 in verse number 2. The Lord is my rock. Look at this verse right here. The Bible said this, Deuteronomy 32, 8, Because I will publish the name of the Lord, ascribe ye greatness unto our God. Our God. He is the rock. He is the rock. And by the way, you say, Preacher, all that's Old Testament. Here's a New Testament verse. Look at this one here. The Bible said, 1 Corinthians 10, 4, And that rock was Christ. Man, I could go on and on. The one thing we're told throughout the Bible is that God is our rock. And the Bible makes it very clear that God is the rock upon which we must build our homes if our homes are going to stand the stress of the storm. Listen, everybody needs God in their home. More than you need central air and central heat. More than you need carpets and curtains. More than you need refrigerators and stoves. We need the presence of Jesus in our homes. Always remember, Satan is the great home wrecker. He really is. He is the great home wrecker. He has his demonic demolition crew working overtime with the, with the wrecking ball of destruction trying to destroy our homes. He beats against our homes continuously with uh, the wrecking ball of alcohol and adultery and anger and abuse and apathy and pornography. He is the great home wrecker. But praise God, we have a great home builder in the person of the Lord Jesus. Because the Bible said in Psalms 127 verse 1, Except the Lord built the house, they labor in vain. Aren't you glad Jesus can build us a home that will stand the stress of the storms? Let me tell you what the difference is between a house and a home. I heard the story one time about this little girl and she, uh, she was living in a, in a motel. And as she came down in the lobby of the motel, and she played every day in the lobby of the motel, and this man that was staying there got to noticing her. The little girl came down to the lobby and played every day. And one day he just said, uh, called her over there, and he said, Honey, I just want to tell you. And she said, I- I'm sorry. He said, I'm sorry you don't have a home to play in. Oh, she said, Sir, we got a home. We just don't have a house to put it in. You know, you can have a home even if you don't have a house. You see, houses are built upon a lot. Homes are built upon the Lord. Houses are built by carpenters. Homes are built by Christ. Houses are built with materials. Homes are built by the Master. Houses are built with rulers. Homes are built with righteousness. Houses are built with hammers. Homes are built with holiness. And if our homes are going to stand the stress of the storm, we got to be sure that we involve the presence of Jesus in our homes. It was founded, verse 25 says, upon a rock. So number one, and man, if your home, if my home's going to make it through these last days, we're going to have to have the presence of Jesus. But not only are we going to have to have the presence of Jesus, I'll tell you a second reason this home didn't fall during the time of the storm, and that's this. Not only the presence of Jesus, what about this? We're going to have to have the principles of Jesus as well. 
Now, did you look there at verse 24? Did you catch what Jesus said before he got into the home? Here's what he said. He said, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them. Then he says, Now, if you hear my sayings and you do them, and then he tells this story about this man who built his house upon a rock. You see, here's a man that involved the Word of God in his home. Here's an old boy that not only heard what Jesus said, but he heeded what Jesus says. Can I tell you this? Can I tell you that the home that contains a, ha a husband and a daddy and a wife and a mama and children that will listen to God's Word and then put God's Word into daily practice in their life. Can I tell you, that kind of a home has a much better chance of standing, making it through the storms than one who does not. In fact, if you were to look down at verse 26, here's what he said about the home that didn't make it. Look at verse 26. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not. In other words, Jesus said the reason this other home failed is because they did not listen to nor obey the Word of God. I'm telling you, we need to involve the presence of Jesus in our home. But buddy, we also need to involve the principles of Jesus in our home as well. Can I give you a good verse? Look at this verse right here. Psalms 128 verse 1. And, and leave it up for just a minute if you will, Brother Mike. It says this, Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord that walketh in his ways. Now stop. Look at the word blessed. Now we're told that the word blessed, anytime you read it in the, in the Bible, whether it be Old Testament or New Testament, it is always in the plural. So maybe we could read it like this. Oh, the blessednesses. Or maybe I could read it like this. We, we normally equate the word blessed with happy. Maybe I could read it like this. Oh, the happinesses. Or maybe I could say it like, what's that guy on a Duck Dynasty? Maybe I could say it like he used to say it. Happy, happy, happy is everyone that feareth the Lord and walketh in His ways. Now, this truth, just to show you I'm not lying, this truth is tied directly into the homes because in the next verse, here's what we read. Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thy, thy children like olive plants round about thee. You know what God said? God said if we're going to have a happy home, if we're going to have a home that is blessed by God, listen, we're going to have to include not only the presence of Jesus, we're going to have to include the principles of the Word of God in our home as well. Can I tell you what the Bible really is? It is a manual on family life. That's right. It's a manual on marriage. This Bible tells you who to marry. This Bible tells you who not to marry. This Bible tells you how to keep it together after you get married. This Bible is a manual on child rearing, how to raise your children, how to keep little Dennis from becoming a menace. Hey, listen, I'm telling you, I'm in no wise telling you that if you live by the Bible that you won't never have any problems. I'm not saying that, but bless your heart. What I am saying is this, if we'll live by the principles of the Lord Jesus, we can cut our problems way down and have a little more joy and a little more peace in our homes. Boy, I tell you, if there's ever been a time you and I ought to be getting close to Jesus, it ought to be in these days that we're living in. You know, I got to thinking about how all this works. Can I liken it to, the, to, a, to a wheel? And I'm not talking about a tire. 
I'm talking about a wheel that the tire goes on. Have you ever noticed almost every wheel that you see, in fact, every wheel that you see going down the road, it has two things. It has spokes and it has a hub. And those spokes are tied directly to that hub. But have you ever noticed that when it starts off up here at the top, the spokes most of the time are pretty narrow, but the closer they get to the hub, the more they spread out. And the closer those spokes get to the hub, the closer those spokes get to one another. Now that tells me something. The closer you and I get to Jesus, the closer we'll get to each other. That's why every man, every man, I say this a lot, but I'll say it again. I want my wife to love another man more than she loves me as long as his name is Jesus. You know why? Because the more she loves on Jesus, the more she'll love on me. Amen and amen. Oh, Tarzan. And the closer I get to Jesus, the more I love her like I'm supposed to love her. It's all tied in to the hub. The hub of our life, of our homes, is to be the Lord Jesus. And the closer we get to Him, the closer we're drawn to each other. I'll tell you something, sir. The Holy Spirit that lives in you will never go to war with the Holy Spirit that lives in your wife if you'll yield yourself to the Holy Spirit. And ma'am, the Holy Spirit that lives in you will never go to the war with the Holy Spirit that lives in your husband if you'll yield yourself to the Lord Jesus. Can I just say this morning, we need the presence of Jesus for our homes. If we're going to make it, we're going to have to have Him. We're going to need the principles of Jesus as we live out these days to have a home that stands the stress of the storm. But I want to say in closing this morning, we're not only going to need the presence of Jesus and the principles of Jesus. Can I say number three, we're going to need the power of Jesus if our homes are going to stand the stress of the storms. I think probably everybody in here will agree with me when I say that, you know, storms are pretty powerful things. They can pack a powerful punch. We had a bad storm at our house, just and I'm probably all of us did, but we had a bad storm last Sunday night. I guess it was more so earlier last Monday morning. Uh, we had a bad storm come through our house. Uh, my wife's phone started going off about, I don't know, maybe 4.30, 4 o'clock or so, Them, those alerts uh, telling us, you know, that tornadoes and strong winds and stuff was in the area. And uh, she cut the TV on about 4.30 that morning. We laid there for a little bit and watched those storms. Those people were telling, buddy, you better head for shelter. You better get somewhere, get, get in a safe place or whatever. And, and we heard all that. Man, we know the results of all that. Homes were destroyed this past weekend and, and trees were blown down. We lost power at our house. We have an old dog lot in the back of our house. I guarantee you that crazy thing probably weighs 100 pounds. It's big and bulky and takes two of us to pick it up and move it. And uh, Monday morning when I got up and looked out the back window, that thing had just, the storm, the wind had just picked that dog light up and just rolled it down through the backyard. And I mean, man, storms are very, very powerful. These storms that blew through the southeastern part of our country last weekend killed over 30 people throughout the southeast, some here in our own state. 
I saw this morning that they're already saying that tonight, once again in the southeast, going to be a chance of those tornadoes and very powerful storms. Storms from without are very, very powerful. I can tell you this, this was a very powerful storm that blew against this house. The Bible speaks there in verse 25 about the rains descending. The floods came. Boy, I'm telling you, it, it rained so much. Flash flooding and the wind started blowing and building upon and, and beating upon that house. And the only way that I can tell you that this storm made it through this, this house, made it through the stress of that storm with all that power from without is because there was a greater power on the inside than there was on the outside. And buddy, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if we're going to make it through these days of great turbulence and days of great storms and things blowing against the family and the home like never before, if we're going to make it, we're going to have to have the power of Jesus on the inside of our houses. Hey, can I tell you something? There you've got it now. I've given you a, a surefire way to, to prevent the storms from destroying your house. Invite Jesus into your home. You say, well, preacher, we're, we're saved. And, and uh, I, we know that we know Jesus. Yeah, but how, how real is He in your house? Invite, bring the principles of Jesus in your, in your house. Get into the Word of God. Hey, make a daily habit of reading the Bible. Spend time. We spend time watching TV every day. We spend time doing things outside every day. Why can't we spend time in the Word of God? Get prayer in your home. Love each other. Quit fighting and hating each other. God never intended for the wife to hate her husband, the husband to hate his wife. The only way you say, Preacher, I'm telling you I'm so dead on the inside, I don't even know if I can love her. Can I tell you something? You hear me and hear me well. If God could put power and life back into the dead body of His Son after 72 hours, I'll tell you, God can give your love back uh, for your wife. It's not that you won't. It's not that you can't love her. You won't love her. Amen. We're going to have to get the principles of Jesus, and the power of Jesus back into our homes once again. The government's telling us, stay home. In my, in my neck of the woods, please stay home. Some of you say, man, I'll be glad when I don't have to stay home no more. Can I tell you something? God never intended for it to be like that. God wants your home to be a place of peace, a place of joy, and a place of security. But it all depends on what we do with Jesus. Well, let's bow our heads for prayer this morning. Every head bowed. And